Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up for the Truth. And uh, we praise God for you guys who've been sharing our podcasts on uh, Facebook and social media. Definitely getting a lot of new listeners. We thank you for that. Um, we can't do that on our own. Um, social media <laughs> has issues, but uh, we appreciate the shares and uh, thank you again for that. Um, very important topic today. We're talking about, of course, uh, pro-life issues, but more, more than that, we're talking about overcoming counterfeits, and we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's open up in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for allowing us to talk about things that affect our everyday lives, that we know there are solutions in your word, and we thank you that we are not left helpless and hopeless. We know the truth. We have your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit in us, that deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and what is to come. And we uh, have everything we need, your word tells us, for life and for godliness and to overcome. And we thank you, Jesus, that you first overcame. And we praise you for all that you did for us and continue to do as you intercede for believers. We thank you for the guidance we have every day. It's available to us. We just need to seek you and draw near to you. Uh, we love you. Give us wisdom and discernment as we talk about these issues today. And uh, we thank you again for waking us up today and uh, this day that you have made. And great is your faithfulness, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. I'm excited to have uh, our guest today. Uh, great topic, I think. Um, very important. Being Becoming a Christian, as most of us know, it doesn't take away the seduction and temptation of the world and uh, our bad habits from the past. And just uh, breezing in and out of church every Sunday doesn't magically transform us. It takes the power of God, and that is by the renewing of our minds. It takes much effort on our part. Plus, for those who have enjoyed fame and fortune, like our guest today, the lies of the enemy must also be overcome in all the world's deceptions. Today's guest writes, quote, Once I became a Christian, wasn't all the bad stuff supposed to go away or at least start getting better? Some of my darkest days occurred after I became a Christian, end quote. The spiritual battle is real, friends, we know that, and it's ongoing, and the darkness in our culture is increasing. So we have to be in God's Word in order to become more aware of what's going on and to be able to overcome the world's counterfeit comforts. Today's guest is Robia Scott. She starred in last year's sensational pro-life movie Unplanned. She once danced with Prince and acted in major television shows, but now she's a sought-after Christian speaker, coach, and author who imparts practical biblical tools for transformation. Her great desire to see believers, particularly women, fully equipped and living in the freedom and fullness of all the promises available in Christ. For over 20 years, Robia Scott has traveled the world sharing her message of emotional healing and freedom, and she encourages people to transfer dependence onto the one true comforter, the Holy Spirit. Her book is called Counterfeit Comforts, and it's available on her website and Amazon as well. Robia Scott, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good morning. I'm waking up early with us in Southern California, so thank you so much. Um, no be, problem. Before we get into your testimony, Robia, and uh, I'm, I've been reading your book because my wife bought it last year, and I'm just really impressed with uh, how you draw people in and share, and you're very vulnerable in the struggles that you went through when you came to Christ, what brought you to Christ. Before we get to that part, um, I know you're recently speaking in Cleveland at a convention there. I believe it was a pro-life event. And uh, do you have any updates on the movie Unplanned that came out last year? Yes, I was speaking at Bringing America Back to Life. It's been really just incredible for me to add this pro-life piece onto what I've been doing in ministry over the last year or so since Unplanned came out. Um, the update on Unplanned is Unplanned is taking the world by storm. It's pretty incredible. 
Um, you know, we're obviously no longer in theaters in the States, but then the DVD release has just been huge. When the DVD was released, uh, right before it came out, it was the number one selling DVD on Amazon, uh, which is extraordinary. You know, not the, not a fake movie, uh, you know, across the board, the number one DVD on Amazon for, for pre-sales. So um, people have been doing that. But now, now the movie's all over the world. I mean, I could just list country after country. You know, New Zealand, Australia. We're just about to go to, oh, where is it? Uh, I, I can't even keep track of the truth. <laughs> well, I, praise I mean, God. Yeah, it, it met, we just did an incredible run in Mexico where it was just all over the country. Um, so uh, we're opening everywhere. I just believe everywhere that um, the movie can land, it's going. And so we're not just bringing America back to life, but really the world back to life. And um, the movie's still still opening hearts and minds and changing lives and saving lives. So it's an Pra- honor to be a part of it. Yes, and I'm very thankful. Praise God. I remember seeing a quote, I'm paraphrasing, you might know it, but Glenn Beck uh, responded to the film yeah. and was really encouraged and said, this might be um, the the time when we can actually point. overcome, yeah, tipping point, actually uh, re- mm-hmm. overturn Roe v. Wade, I think he said, and he had great, he raved about uh, Unplanned, so um, you got a lot of great reviews. I think the critics uh, had to, I don't know, they had to hold their tongue a little bit because, you know, they don't particularly like pro-life um, films and, and they like to avoid the issue for obvious reasons. But it did very well. And they had to admit that it, the film was well done and the public seemed to really support it. The public loved it. We got an A-plus on the cinema score. And by the way, the country I was looking for is Argentina. I was <laughs> just about to go to Argentina. So it's Argentina in prayer, which is awesome, because it seems the movie's always landing somewhere where there, all the controversy about the laws and the, and the life things are stirring up. So I know there's a lot going on in Argentina, so the timing of the movie coming is incredible. But, um, uh, yeah, Glenn Beck, you know, was watching the movie and said that he, he, he had an honest uh, admission that he wasn't sure he'd see Roe v. Wade overturned in his lifetime until he saw the movie Unplanned. So, um, yep, the reviewers, the reviewers, you know how the the, the liberal, the liberal media is, um, you know, they want to say that we are spreading propaganda right. when it's actually the opposite. You know, the propaganda is really what's being released from the media and from the abortion industry um, that is trying to share information with the general public that is just you know, blatantly untrue. So um, Unplanned is just a, you know, it's a great piece of, of media and truth for people to, to um, get the other side, the, a more accurate um, scope of, of what's really going on. I just came across an article yesterday over at Life News, and uh, this just astounded me. You are familiar with who Margaret Sanger is and was her the founder oh, of P- yes, Planned I Parenthood. Am. Okay, so Time Magazine apparently retroactively awarded racist Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger Woman of the Year. I don't know why they're trying to be relevant, or they're trying to you know keep on generate you know generating movement in their pro-choice uh, pro-abortion crowd. But this is just astounding to me. I just wanted to get your quick take on that because I'm sure you know about her legacy. Well, I know about her. I didn't know what you're sharing with me now, and <clears throat> you know, I didn't learn all of these things until I until I got the movie, until I started studying a little bit more deeply. You know, mm-hmm. I was impacted by the media as well that that Planned Parenthood was, you know, a woman's rights movement and all of that. And it wasn't until I actually did a little more research that I learned about Margaret Sanger and how Planned Parenthood never began as and it had nothing to do with women's rights. It had oh. to do with a eugenics movement to yes. eliminate the African American race that she deemed, you know, less than. And and the fact that what you're saying right now, she she was just awarded Woman of the Year when there are pictures of her in, with the Ku Klux Klan and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what to make of our of our current culture and media. And, um, you know, we try to maybe say, you know, the Me Too movement or the women's rights movement. And then we we sort of avoid <laughs> don't even look at the real facts of the situation. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. I mean, even not to go in a whole different direction, but even the coronavirus right now, you know, people are so scared about it. I'm actually writing an article 
I was doing it right before we got on the phone. And, and again, the media is trying to run with something and instill all this fear and mistruth. And they're really just avoiding the facts. You know, the facts are our regular flu, um, people are, thousands and thousands of people are infected with the regular flu every year. And yes. thousands and thousands and thousands of people, unfortunately, die from the regular flu every year. I mean, the numbers are uh, astronomically higher than what we're dealing with the coronavirus. But the media is grabbing a hold of it, using these words like, you know, epidemic through the world and instilling all this fear. We have got to research. We have got to know the facts as believers. Yes. It's just crucial because if we get swept up in, in you know, our culture, it, it's dominated by the spirit of fear, not by the spirit of God. Amen. We've not been given a spirit of fear. We've got to trust the Lord in all things. I read a great quote. I'm going to paraphrase um, um, Christian leader. His name is Dustin Benge. He said, um, I'm so glad that I can sleep peacefully at night, but if I, if I thought or believed that there wasn't a God who was sovereign and in control of all things, including what's happening with the coronavirus, she says, then maybe I wouldn't sleep at night. But anyway, moving on to your testimony, uh, Robia, it's fascinating. Um, you were in Hollywood. You started dancing when you were very young, influenced by the movie Flash Dance, and um, you were hired first uh, by Debbie Gibson to be in a music video for her, and then you had the opportunity to—you uh, were signed by Prince, and you toured with him. Now, tell us just a little bit about that background, what eventually brought you to Christ, and I, I definitely want you to include your New Age um, explorations, I should say. Yes, well, you know, I started in my professional career at the age of 16. I, I went professional as a dancer after training intensely for years. Um, <clears throat> I, I started, you know, doing a bunch of music videos. This was at the time that MTV was really on the rise, and uh, doing that, I got hired by Prince, traveled around the world with him for two years on his world tour, dancing on stages in front of 60,000 people at a time. It was tremendous. Um, retired after that because I felt like that was the pinnacle of my dance career, transitioned into acting and did all sorts of hit shows, especially known for the show um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it was on this at this time where, you know, I was very successful. I, I, I really was living the dream. I was making a lot of money, traveling the world on hit shows, um, but I was struggling. You know, I was not walking with God. And even though the image I was portraying was one of confidence and success, Internally, uh, I, I wasn't doing well because I, I really believe that you, you can't be doing that well without God. Mm. <laughs> it's just impossible. You know, so I was financially prospering, but I was not prospering emotionally, um, spiritually. I was tormented, chain smoking, overspending, obsessed with food, my body image, dieting, even got into some eating disorders, bulimia. Mm. You know, you'd look at me and I was very thin and, 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 and you wouldn't think I was struggling with food by looking at me on these videos or on television, but it was where I was living internally. Mm. So, you know, being in Southern California, you start looking for answers, you start looking for God, and you bump into the New Age movement, which is all about, you know, everything goes, spirituality, pretty yep. much as long as it's not Jesus, it's yeah. accepted in the New Age movement. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it, it's an everything but kind of, uh, kind of thing. So I was doing all the New Age. I was, you know, yoga, meditation, and, and especially self-help, because in Southern California, it's really big on that self-help. And it wasn't until later that I realized, I talk about this in my book, Counterfeit Comforts, that self-help is really an oxymoron because when when you're having a problem, you know, yourself is, is, is pretty much the problem. And in self-help, you're looking to the same self that created the problem <laughs> to get you out of the problem. Exactly. Doesn't make and sense. So, it doesn't make sense because, uh, and, and, I, and I quote this, I love this quote from Einstein. He says that no problem can be solved with the same level of intelligence that created it. Hmm. So regardless of how smart we are, you know, I consider myself a savvy, intelligent gal, but I, I wasn't smart enough to get above the problems that I created with my own intelligence. So, you know, the Bible says God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Uh, so I realized that my self-help wasn't working. I was reading my books. I was smoking my cigarettes. I was pounding down my ice cream and, and still miserable. <laughs> So, you know, through a long series of, of God-ordained events, uh, you know, I had people talking to me. I had God speak to me, do some cool things. I opened my eyes to become a Christian. Uh, I stepped into a real strong church, which was wonderful. I started getting freedom in some areas of my life. But my struggle with food just got worse. Mm. Uh, it, 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 it got darker. 
and that's when I said, okay, God, you know, here I am now reading the Bible, telling me where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, I'm seeing, you know, who Jesus is, I'm seeing that I'm supposed to have freedom, I'm supposed to have life, he came for life and life more abundant, and I, I put a demand on God, I said, God, this is your word, I expect it to manifest in my life, so talk to me, you know, what's, what's up with this food, why can't I get free from food, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, I had a moment in prayer, and all of a sudden, I had that spirit of revelation come upon me, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I just had that internal dialogue that I knew was the Lord speaking. And he said, food's not your problem. You're merely using food as a counterfeit comforter. Mm. And I sat on that for a minute because wow. I'd never heard that terminology before. And, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit started putting it together for me. I, it was illuminated to me, you know, the word in the Bible, the Holy Spirit's name is the comforter. And God was showing me I was going to a counterfeit comforter. And then, you know, David, he just started unpacking it. I was taking notes. I was praying. And, you know, the Lord said, food is just a symptom to your problem. Food is just a fruit to an unhealthy root. That's why you can try to deal with the food and you can try to diet. You can try to use willpower and do all of that. But really the root problem, uh, it's the emotions. It's the not knowing who you are. It's the abandonment. It's the rejection. It's the things you suffered, uh, you know, in your childhood. It's those areas. And the Lord said, if you will allow me into that, I will teach you how to transfer your dependence from the counterfeit food, Hmm. cigarettes, alcohol, shopping, sexual relationships outside of marriage, all of that. You know, there's tons of counterfeits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's tons of counterfeits, TV and now social media, gambling, you know, even work, exercise, all of those things that can turn into counterfeits. But the Lord said, I'll teach you how to transfer the counterfeit onto the true comforter. So long story short, I know I'm talking, talking, talking. No, no, that's good. Um, But I'll just sum this up and say that he took me through a process. It wasn't a one-time prayer. It wasn't someone laying hands on me and I was delivered. It was, you know, even though I believe in deliverance, but it was a process of soul healing. It was a process of going into those deep places and allowing God to bring healing and heal the roots so the fruits uh, would change as a product of the deep healing. So he took me through that process. And now that's what I do. I help other people navigate that process because, you know, the deep healing and the freedom, it doesn't come quickly. It just doesn't. You can't just like a, you can't like an Instagram post that says, you know, God is all about your freedom. And then you just click like, and you think you're going to get free. Mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't work that way. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot of work. And I want, I don't want to skim over what you shared uh, too quickly because you mentioned, because a lot of Christians are still doing other things in addition to the Bible or church or Bible study, maybe even women's groups, they're still maybe doing self-help books. They're still trying to do psychology. Some You mentioned you did yoga for a while. And so you're trying to do all these other things and do, do God and the Bible at the same time and explain to us how that doesn't work. Yes. Well, you know, yoga is a whole other topic we can go into, and that's something I teach because it really breaks my heart a bit that um, sometimes even in our Christian world, the enemy is so crafty. He's Mm -hmm. so subtle. He's so conniving that, you know, there's a whole move called holy yoga where we have believers thinking that they can do yoga and just, you know, say the name of Jesus and it's okay. But again, we've got to do our research. One of my core scriptures is Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed Mm. for a lack of knowledge. Uh, you know, I've studied yoga intensely because I come out of the new age. So I, yes. I, I dug back into that. And um, you knew, the new age yoga is a spiritual practice. It is not exercise. It is a spiritual practice that the intention is to yoke. Yoga means to yoke with these um, Eastern Buddhists, you know, all of these spirits. So you're opening yourself up. You're doing different poses to, to kind of open your chakras, if you will, to yoke with these spirits. And of course you get peace from it because the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. So you get some peace from it in the moment. You might feel great. You might, but you know, it's amazing. But what we don't recognize is that, you know, all of a sudden you might be feeling depressed and have all these issues when you're not doing yoga and you don't correlate that it's the yoga that's actually opening the door to junk because when you're doing the yoga, you feel so great. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I could talk about this. Talk, we could talk about this for just an hour in itself. But, yes. uh, you know, we just have to be aware that when something is really prevalent in the world and the world is in love with it, there's probably not a whole lot of God infused in it. Yes. So 
And, that, <laughs> and that's another issue of conforming to the world because the world uses these things and they try to mix Christianity in with it. And I don't know what we want to get through your testimony and to your book and some practical points you make, but before we take a quick break right now, I just want to share— I, just the introduction of the book is phenomenal. Before I even got to chapter one, I'm highlighting things and circling things. I love the Michelangelo quote that you uh, described that when he was doing, he was in the Sistine Chapel, he did the work of David, and he said, I saw an angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. And I love that you quoted or you referred to Ephesians 2.10, which says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And you are encouraging all believers, but particularly women, you have a great ministry to women, to pursue that freedom in Christ and be who he created us to be. We'll be right back with Robia Scott on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth, with David Fiorazzo. We are blessed to have on the line with us Robia Scott. Uh, she acted in the movie Unplanned. She's got her own ministry in the book. I've got it in my hand. It's called Counterfeit Comforts. I'm uh, opening up. I just flipped over to chapter 7, and there's a great quote to start this chapter off, Robia, by Augustine. Some would say Augustine. Um, to fall in love with God is the greatest of all romances. To seek Him, the greatest adventure. To find Him, the greatest human achievement. And when you were in the world, when you were working in Hollywood and you were had all the fame and the success, from the world's perspective, you know, you couldn't do much better. But that emptiness, you, you've decided you needed to seek God. And I love that quote from Augustine, because to find God, because he says he can be found by us. And if we seek for him, search for him with all of our hearts, he said he will be found by us. He also says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that before we get into your book. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, because I actually think there's a two-parter to finding God. First and foremost is the salvation. You know, God really wooed me. I, op- I, I asked the Lord, you know, I said, God, I, you know, I believe in you, but I'm not sure about the whole born-again Christian thing. I don't, I'm not sure. And he did. He gave me little signs and, and, and uh, wonders and, and did things to really draw me to him. So, you know, I found God. I became a Christian. I opened my heart to Christ. But, you know, as a, as a minister now, I find that I'm working with a lot of people in the church, a lot of ladies in the church who have already found God, they're already believers, but in some ways they haven't found the depths of God. And, you know, that's what I like to walk people through. Uh, You know, at times I found that some Christian teaching um, was so conceptual. You know, I was dealing with food issues and and, um, uh, fear and anxiety and all these things, and and then I would hear these concepts, you know, well, just trust in the Lord, or just cast your cares, or just focus on the cross. And I would think, you know, I'd hear this sermon and say, oh, that's great, you know, just focus on the cross. But what does that mean when I'm tormented and, and, and anxious and panicking and, and wanting to binge? You know, what do mm-hmm. I just grab a cross and put it in front of my eyeballs and just stand there and look at it? You know, what does it mean to focus on the cross, you know? So it's like I find uh, there's so many of our, of, our, of our Christian community, we go to church, we're doing Bible studies, we're praying, we're worshiping, we're reading the Word, uh, and we're seeking God. But do we know how to find God in the sense where we are connecting with Him and, and actually having Him you know, reach our pain points? Do I know how to get God into where I live? Am I experiencing His presence? Am I hearing His voice? Or am I just going to church and having an experience there and then living in my mind, in the world, in my day, just like every other person who's not in God? Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Where is this freedom? Where is the real, the, the prospering? How many believers are really living within the promises and the fullness? So that's what my passion is, because I find so many believers and ladies who want it, who hunger for that place, they just don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is a way, there is a, there's a path, there are biblical tools that will, will get you into that intimate position in Him, where you're feeling Him, where you're experiencing in Him, and where He can meet you in those places internally 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not just, you know, reading about God, but you're actually really finding him in an intimate place. Yes, yes. And uh, I love yes. the subtitle of your book, by the way, Freedom from the Imposters That Keep You from True Peace, Purpose, and Passion. And before we got back on the air during break, we were talking about the fact that men also have major issues with food. Sometimes we use entertainment, sports, or whatever. But on page 19 of your book, I just want to read uh, part of this. It says, in the Bible, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is Comforter. The Lord showed me that whenever I felt rejected, sad, or disappointed, I did not go to the Holy Spirit for comfort, but to Mrs. Fields' cookies or to my good friends, Ben and Jerry. And a lot of us—I'm an ice cream lover, Robia. A lot of us can relate to that, but I love the quote. This is very profound. You heard this. You do not have a food issue. You have a feelings issue. Please expound on that a little bit. Yes, and let me clarify that there's nothing wrong with eating some ice cream. There's nothing wrong with having some cookies or pizza. You know, it's (laughs) not about not enjoying food. Food is really a gift. Mm -hmm. God gave us that. It's one of our great gifts on the earth. I really believe it is. You know, food is such a blessing. It's, It's wonderful to have a great meal with your family and friends. It's social. It's, it's fantastic. But the enemy perverts that gift. And, and when we go to food to, to, to meet a need or to fill a hole that filled, food is not meant to fill, an emotional hole, um, you know, then we start getting in bondage to these things. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about, you know, not shopping or not eating or not, not enjoying the pleasures of life. I'm talking about when we become enslaved to these areas, that's what God doesn't want. You know, he's not mad at us for eating ice cream. He's not mad at us for even turning to ice cream as, you know, for, to comfort. He's mm-hmm. not mad at us. He just doesn't want to see his boys and girls, his kids, enslaved. And that's where I was living. Mm. You know, I wasn't just having some ice cream because I felt stressed. You know, I was consumed with what I would eat, what, how my body looked. It, it, you know, the enemy just had a hold on me in this area. And uh, what I've learned is that counterfeit comforts are universal. It might not be food for everyone. It could be cigarettes. It can be alcohol. It can be watching television, you know, binge watching Netflix and mm-hmm. all of these areas that we get uh, controlled by. And our God doesn't want to see us being controlled by anything. You know, yeah. he, he's given us the power to overcome what the world is overcome by. So, um, you know, so it's really about living in freedom. And to go back to your original statement, it's about dealing with those feelings. You know, we have to feel, I say this in the book, we have to feel and deal in order to heal. And uh, we're not always taught how to feel with feel our emotions. You know, we most of us weren't taught in our family. Some people had great upbringings. Mm-hmm. Uh, many did not. Yes. We weren't taught those, 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 um, those principles of how to communicate healthy, healthily and effectively. And then we go to school and we're not really taught any of that. And oftentimes in church, we're not taught any of that. So, you know, where do we learn how to really process our emotions? Where do we learn how to deal with our soul? Even though the Bible says, 3 John 2, the scripture that the book is based upon, uh, beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and are in health even as your soul prospers. So that means as your mind prospers, as your emotions prosper, as your will prospers, that's how we prosper in life. So I'm a how-to kind of teacher, David. I love tools for transformation that are applicable. And let me just throw this in there real quick. I would love people to get the book because what we're talking about now is really just, you know, hitting on little tidbits. But yes. It's really through the process of the book that, you know, you'll be able to walk this out. But I also want to offer all the listeners a free gift to get you started. So I have a teaching, an audio teaching called Tools for Transformation that shares a bit of my testimony that we're talking about now and starts to give you some of these biblical how-to tools. And, and I want to give you it. I used to sell this, but now I feel the Lord wants me to sell it. Don't sell it when you can sell it. So the way you can get this gift is you should simply go to my website, which is robiascott.com, just my name, robiascott.com, and you uh, there'll be a little pop-up, and it'll talk about Tools for Transformation. You put your email in, and then this will come right into your inbox. You can download it and have it, and I know that it will um, get you started on the road of, of doing that um, soul work and getting those tools in your arsenal. So when you go to your home page, you said a pop-up will come up offering the tools for transformation? That is correct. Okay. Awesome. We'll put that link in the podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. Robia, you also mentioned the things that bombard us 
daily, whether you're on social media or not, or watching TV, the billboards we see, everything practically, at the grocery store, at the checkout counters, their advertisements, they feed, you say you, they feed on convincing us, and I'm reading from your book, these things feed on convincing us that every product will give us the relief, the satisfaction, and the deep fulfillment we are looking for. But uh, that's really not the case. As you call them, the title of the book, Counterfeit Comforts. Can you talk a little bit about the world's influences and give uh, people a little bit of um, hope that when they go out today, wherever they're at, they can kind of be more aware of these things that are just trying to get their attention and influence them? Well, the essence of marketing and advertising is to play on our soul wounds. (laughs) I mean, that's what it tries to do. You know, we we look at the diet soda ad and we see those thin girls Uh and that inner dialogue starts to play in our mind. You know, look what they have. Look at how thin they are. Look at what I could have if I only drank that diet soda. You know, look at that hair commercial with that with that woman with that beautiful hair. Look at my hair. I don't have that beautiful hair. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and my hair is in the messy bun all day. And, you know, I wish I could be desirable. And, you know, so the enemy, the enemy sets it up, uh, it's, it, it, you know, and, and the spirit of mammon to make money off of these areas of our of our wounds. So, you know, to be honest with you, I used to do a lot of television commercials, and um, I, I got to a point where... Uh, hold on, my daughter's here. Okay, honey, I'm on the I'm, I'm on the call. Give me a minute. My daughter just <laughs> that's <up>. that's sweet. <laughs> that's I'm, an, I'm hiding out in the in the garage. Oh, that's funny. Me. Well, it's early there. We uh, we get, cut you some slack because it's two hours earlier there in Southern California. Yeah, she she just popped it. Okay, she's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I actually, you know, David, I even got a little bit convicted from doing television commercials, and not to be religious about it, not mm-hmm. that you know that's they're de- they're demonic or whatever, but I thought, you know, I don't want to keep uh, pushing this agenda. I don't want women to see me on some hair commercial and be like, oh, I, you know, I only wish that I looked like that. It, mm. It's all this big set up. Mm. So it's like, I, I don't want to keep pushing this image, image, image. I want to go into the heart of the matter. I want to help people, you know, be the bridge to help people connect with God in a way to heal those wounds so that you can go out about your day and you can see all those, that advertising. And you can see, like you said, the magazines at the, at the newsstand, and it doesn't hook in to places in you. You know, one of the things I part of, I love in scripture where it talks about um, Jesus wasn't able to be affected by things because there was nothing in him. Mm-hmm. You know, the junk came at him, the enemy came at him, the world came at him, but it couldn't hook him because there was nothing in him. So, you know, we're not ever going to be like Jesus, but it's about it's about getting to that place where there's not so much in us. There's not so many trigger points. There's not so many wounds. There's not so many places that things can hook us because of um, because of those areas of wounding. You know, the more healing we get, the less we're able to get hooked in by the spirit of the world and the less we are able to fall prey to be ensnared by counterfeit comforts. Then you can just enjoy food. You can enjoy life. You can enjoy things and not be um, not be brought into a place of bondage, torment, obsession, compulsion yes. with these things. And you overcome the habit of running to something else other than running to Jesus and his word and prayer and the Holy Spirit. Robia, chapter 9, you've got a phenomenal quote. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said, The first step on the way to victory is to recognize the enemy. Can you give us a oh, little yeah. glimpse? The chapter is called Do Not Believe Everything You Think. Can you give us a little glimpse oh, yeah. into what you share in that chapter? <laughs> you know, we are fighting the good fight of faith. And when you're in a fight, by definition, you have an opponent. A fight is a, you know, it, it's, an, it's, a, it's a two-party situation. Um, I also find sometimes in our, in our Christian culture that people get wary of, of looking at the enemy, and we're often taught, you know, don't even don't even uh, acknowledge that we have an enemy. You know, you just focus on God, and you can do everything through God, and and that's fine. And um, but that's really not uh, a biblical strategy. You mm-hmm. know, we don't want to glorify the enemy. We don't want right. to think that there's a demon under every rock. Exactly. So to speak. Yes. But at the same time, we do have an enemy. Very you know? real. And it's very real. And God gave us 
wisdom and strategies to overcome our enemy. You know, when we have uh, men and women that go into battle in our country, they don't just pretend the enemy doesn't exist. That's not how, that's not their strategic plan. (laughs) You know, they study the enemy, they recognize the enemy's strategies, they develop strategies to combat those, you know, the enemy's strategies. This, This is how we're successful. And it's the same way for us as believers. So we don't glorify the enemy, but we have to recognize that we have one and that God's given us uh, victory over the enemy, but not by just saying, hey, I have victory over the enemy. That actually does not give us victory over the enemy. It's recognizing our authority in Christ, the, the ways that we overcome the enemy, and one of the ways is recognizing that a lot of the you know, the thoughts we have, the enemy is spirit, just like God is spirit. And God drops things into our mind through impressions, through thoughts, through ideas. You know, that's how one of the ways we commune with God. But we also have an enemy who is the spirit of this world, who is uh, infiltrating the airwaves and dropping thoughts and ideas. And often we're thinking things that don't come from God, and they don't come from us. They're actually thoughts given to us from an outside source. So, um, you know, this is kind of a, a, a deep topic. Yes, and, it is. You know, it, it, you have to really understand it, but it's biblically sound. You know, Second Corinthians says we do not, um, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down every argument so, you, you know, that's trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. We have thoughts that are coming in that are trying to exalt themselves above the truth. And so part of getting healed is recognizing the thought realm, thinking about what you're thinking about, seeing if the thoughts align with the Word, seeing if the thoughts align with the Spirit, seeing all these thoughts that are coming in to bombard us with neg- negative um, you know, condemnation, how we feel about ourselves, I'm not good enough, you know, fear, anxiety, all of those kind of uh, thoughts that are swirling around and begin to take them captive, to begin to submit Mm. them to the Word, to begin to replace them with the Word. You know, very quickly, that's one of the ways I began to get free. I started to see where my mind was going uh, for fear, for instance, and I started to grab onto my sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and instead of just ruminating and meditating on fear, I started to speak out the Scripture. You know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I started to use my sword. You know, that's actually an offensive weapon that God gave us, and one of my favorite tools is speaking the Word of God. So I go through that in depth in the book about how you can begin to uh, overcome the enemy by using the word. It's 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 real, it works, it's powerful because the word of God the word of God works. Robia Scott, you are spirit filled, aren't you? You know, thank you thank you so much for <laughs> for quoting Second Corinthians ten, four and five. That is so important because I was just going to share the reminder that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Paul writes in Ephesians six to stand, stand, stand therefore, and to use that sword of the spirit, the word of God. But I'm glad you quoted the fact that we are to take our thoughts captive and we yeah. we walk we walk in the flesh, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. Really quick, um, I just want to just ask you, back to Unplanned, by the way, on your website, you can get your book, Counterfeit Co- Comforts, and you can also get the a copy of the movie Unplanned, correct? That is correct, yes. I have DVDs, and I can sign it, send you a signed copy of the DVD. Ooh, uh, I, I really bonus. believe that all believers— that I believe that all believers should get a copy. One, to just support the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, when a, when a project like this comes out, one of the ways that we as Christians endorse and vote on more of this type of material coming out is with our dollars. Mm-hmm. So we vote by investing and in going to the theater, buying the DVD. So I believe everyone should do it just to support. But it's also such a great... Um, communication tool. It's such a great uh, door opener to share with perhaps a family member or to share the DVD with someone at work and say, hey, you know, just watch this. I'd love to have a conversation with Mm -hmm. you and open the door to maybe plant some seeds in people's hearts. Because David, I found that with a lot of pro-choice people, you know, they think they know what they believe because they've been inundated with a message in our culture. Mm -hmm. But when they actually see the truth on the screen, when they watch the movie, it rattles them a bit. It, it, it challenges their belief system when they see it with their own eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I do believe that, uh, you know, we, we all have uh, 
a, a really good tool to use in this movie to share with yes. those in our sphere of influence. Yes, yes, I believe so too. Great, well done uh, film. Wasn't uh, preachy. Uh, we don't speak uh -oh. down to people who are pro-choice or on the other side. We really share a lot of facts and very real stories and struggles of people. Rubia, really quick, we, I know we were out of time, but there's a photo on your website under the Unplanned Movie uh, link on your website, and it shows someone praying for you. Uh, I'm sure that was on the set of Unplanned. I heard so many wonderful stories about just the, the spiritual dynamic that everything, every scene was bathed in prayer. And I love the fact that you put that photo there. You look so peaceful. Obviously, someone's lifting you up in prayer. <laughs> Share a little bit about that before we let you go, please. Yes, it was a very unique experience for me because it was my first time back in the entertainment industry as a believer. When I became a Christian, I walked away from that to pursue full-time ministry, mm. but God brought me back, you know, all these years later. It's been about 13 years since I'd done anything, brought me back on this uh, on this film to be as a believer and to be in a project that, you know, was so kingdom. Uh, you know, it might be surprising for you to know, but there was no prayer team on the set of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, <laughs> really. Our directors, uh, Kerry Solomon and Chuck Konzelman, who wrote, directed Unplanned, they also were the writers of the hit film God's Not Dead from a few years back. They are wise, godly men, and they mm. knew that, you know, as you said, that we are not battling flesh and blood, but principalities. And they knew that going forth in this movie, you know, we were going to have spiritual resistance. So they, they did an unprecedented move. Um, which is, you know, when you're working on a, a film or a television show, there's all different departments. You have, for instance, a hair and makeup department that you know, gets you ready. You have a wardrobe department that dresses you. Well, on Unplanned, they had a paid intercessory prayer department. Wow. So we had, it was, I mean, incredible. We had a group of powerhouse, spirit-filled men and women that were a paid uh, department on the film. They were there every day. Uh, interceding, interceding uh, over over the production, interceding over us as the actors. Um, people got physical healings, emotional healings on the set. Uh, when things, when when little roadblocks happened financially and things on the film, they would pray and push through all the obstacles. Hmm. Uh, Amazing! It, it was just uh, an extraordinary experience to have. Um, to be able to have, you know, prayer and to have God be the center uh, of everything we did all day on the set. It was extraordinary. Praise God. And the end result is a phenomenal film, not just a pro-life film, but just a great quality product. And uh, Robia, thank you so much for your time. Encourage people to check out Counterfeit Comforts and get a signed copy and also sign up for the uh, Tools for Transformation at Robia Scott. Com. God bless you, and thank you so much for being with us on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you. Great talking to you. Same here. All right, when we come back, a couple articles we want to share with you about uh, recent topics we've been discussing here on the podcast, and we'll uh, tell you about our guests uh, the rest of the week. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Oh, man, what a great uh, interview with Robia Scott. Sorry we ran out of time there, but I do want to remind you this is the 40 Days for Life. It continues through April 5th. And there are peacefully, uh, there are people peacefully protesting, praying outside of uh, Planned Parenthood on Oneida Street in Green Bay. For those of you northeast Wisconsin, near you, if there is a Planned Parenthood or an abortion uh, clinic, you can go to the number four zero forty days for life dot com and check out local campaigns and uh, where they might have one near you, and people are probably praying out there. They're trying to do this 24 hours around the clock. So um, be part of the 40 Days for Life. Got a story on that coming up about attacking kids who are praying. But first, uh, the article we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast today with Robia Scott, the article that Time magazine, apparently they retroactively have awarded racist and eugenicist Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger, Woman of the Year. My goodness, um, this goes back a hundred years to when Sanger uh, coined the term birth control. She started the eugenics movement. She put the first abortion clinic uh, in a black neighborhood. I believe it was Harlem, uh, New York City. And uh, she had a wicked agenda that has been whitewashed 
and downplayed or completely like minimized altogether by the media. We know why, because the media is about 90%, 95% pro-abortion. Okay, pro-choice, but you know what that means. Um, so I just found that to be disturbing. I mean, if retroactive Democratic Women of the Year have also included Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi, Michelle Obama, um, goes back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, all these pro-abortion women, uh, liberal women, some of them very radical on this list. I mean, the list goes on. But um, so disappointing. And you can find that. We'll put that in the podcast notes today at standardforthetruth.com. It's an article from Life News. Now, I mentioned the 40 Days for Life. Got a story about attacks on prayer really exposing the left for their lack of tolerance. <laughs> they preach tolerance, but they're not tolerant at all. Um, over in Washington state, abortion activists were uh, very intolerant toward a group of students praying outside of an abortion business during this 40 Days for Life. All right, it's a nationwide uh, peaceful protest. Um, they threw a glass vial of some liquid at these students. You never know what's in there today, right, what they're coming up with. Also, attacks on these pro-life students included people driving by, the group yelling obscenities, displaying crude gestures. One woman flashed the kids while yelling, my body, my choice. Um, another abortion supporter pulled up in her car and said, Satan is the one true Lord, because she knew the kids were praying. And she drew, drove off saying, hail Satan. It's amazing. But I did a story on this for Freedom Project this week as part of my Christ and Culture weekly series. If you want to go to that, it's called Attacks on Prayer, Exposed Leftist Agenda. But I want to quote the uh, 40 Days for Life um, president, Kristen, uh, where is her name? Hawkins. His name, maybe, because <laughs> it's Christian. It's not Christian. Okay, let's see. She, uh, Hawkins said the violence and ugliness on behalf of pro-abortion advocates cannot be tolerated, and police should step in. There have been death threats to him, bomb threats in Minnesota, bomb threats in Washington. I know how tolerant, right? But here's a quote. Every day it seems like we hear of a new account of vandalism, threat of violence, or acts of intimidation toward peaceful pro-lifers. This causes some of our volunteers to feel uneasy to sign up and pray for mothers and preborn children. We were at this time over the weekend, he said, we were only 11 days in and we already have been bullied and threatened to the point where our volunteers are nervous, some of them. But um, Hawkins also said they will not back down and we shouldn't either. We're just talking about praying in public. One more story on that note. Let's go back to Vice President Mike Pence. You've probably heard about this. Um, an official White House photo was sent out. The vice president and the coronavirus task force opened a meeting with their head, heads bowed in prayer, and a picture was sent out, gasp, of them praying. Uh, but, you know, it didn't take uh, the leftists long to mock prayer uh, the vice president's Christian faith, and, of course, the Trump administration. Here's what one person, a writer for the New York Magazine and Harper's Magazine, sent this tweet out. Mike Pence and his coronavirus emergency team praying for a solution. We are so screwed. In other words, they didn't know what to do, so they prayed, and uh, it's such a waste of time to pray when you should be working on a solution. So they're completely disconnected here from the Christian worldview. We need God. We need to go to Jesus. We need intervention in some of these things that are happening in our world. So I'm thankful we have leaders who will humbly bow before the Lord and pray in Jesus' name and say, we need your wisdom, Lord. We need help. How can we uh, you know, pursue this? In this case, they were praying, um, opening up that meeting on the coronavirus. So amazing. Okay, I've got a couple more minutes left. Um, Unfortunately, that uh, case out in Washington with Coach Joe Kennedy, the former football coach, by the way, he fought for our religious freedoms. He was a U.S. Marine for 20 years. He was a high school football coach in Washington. He, he silently would go to the mid-50-yard uh, line, midfield, after football games, because he was a coach, and he would take a knee and he would pray, thank the Lord for you know, keeping the players safe or whatever else he prayed. Students started joining in with him. Football players would come up and they'd pray voluntarily and silently. Well, he was fired. 
First Liberty uh, General Counsel said that this case is more, it's about more than one football coach. It's about the rights of believers and public employees. In this case, someone under the you know public school system, he was a football coach. And um, the Supreme Court decided not to reverse the decision by the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that favored the Bremerton School District against uh, Coach Kennedy for kneeling on the 50-yard line and uh, praying. Well, hopefully they'll take up that case uh, again in the future because that's, that's not going to go away. That is a constitutionally protected right. It's just praying. In fact, he, it wasn't mandating a religion. It was silently he was praying, and the kids just joined him. He didn't tell them what to do, so it was voluntary. We have become such an intolerant society when it comes to the Christian faith and prayer, the basic expressions of our faith in public. This ought not to be. Got to take a break. One more headline, though. The NCAA, this is just breaking news. The tournament apparently will now be played, March Madness, without fans in the seats due to coronavirus fears. Well, there you go. The media has done their job, right? The NBA, I think, the NBA is canceling games. or uh, It's just amazing. Hopefully this will not spread. Hopefully they will get the test kits out and people will have the antidote, whatever else needs to be done uh, to uh, contain the virus. But if it all comes to nothing near the flu, uh, what happens with the flu every year, we're going to go, man, that, that, that media is so complicit and irresponsible for stoking the fears of uninformed people. Anyway, um, keep praying, friends. Trust God in all things. When we come back, we'll tell you about tomorrow's guest. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much uh, for hanging with us this hour. It's great to speak with Robia Scott and talk about her book, Counterfeit Comforts. And we've got the links to not only her site, but her Facebook page and the movie Unplanned. Got that in today's show notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Also, the articles we referenced, you can find them there. Uh, tomorrow, excited to have back with us Tony Grule from Ministry Radical Truth, talking about the Constitution, Islamic ideology, the fact, not the not the rumors, but the fact that more Muslims are being elected to our government. What does Tony say about that? Also, we're going to be talking about the death of Phil Haney. He worked for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security during the Obama administration when uncovered um, a whitewashing of Muslim Brotherhood and radical Islam that was infecting our government. But uh, a lot of people wanted to put the squash on that, didn't want him to share what he found, and he was killed a couple weeks ago in, I think, San Francisco, Northern California. And anyone that knew him, I know Jan Markell was a friend. Uh, Tony Garule interviewed him a few times. Um, Phil Haney was a guy that was just, he had a lot of information. He was going around. He had the joy of the Lord. He was sharing this. He was very uh, confident in, in his his faith in Christ. And um, he, he, just, you, he would not be the kind of guy you would think would take his own life. And uh, we're going to find out more about uh, exactly what happened. I'm sure more truth will come out on that. But, uh, man, we are in a battle, aren't we, friends? And we have a very real enemy, as we mentioned earlier on the show. So tomorrow, Tony Garule of Radical Truth. And um, thank you so much, by the way. Again, again, I can't thank you guys enough for sharing our podcasts on Facebook and social media. God bless you. Talk to you tomorrow, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.